Great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving. How many of you guys ate way too much? Raise your hand. Come on. Yes. I did too. That's why I'm wearing my maternity pants today. So um, so glad to be with you today. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars, guys. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Man, I am, I mean, we ate so much. And my wife, my wife is a food pusher. Literally, she does this. She just like keeps bringing, no, no, you ain't tried this, try this. And I'm like, honey, stop. My girdle's about to pop. You have to stop. It's crazy. But it was such a great time. We have our in-laws in town and it's been a lot of fun having them here. Maybe you have your in-laws and outlaws too, the family you like and the family you don't like. They're here too. So no, I'm just kidding. I like all my family. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. And so it's great to have you guys here. Thanks for joining us uh, for this weekend and thanks for being a part of our services. It's an honor to have you here. You know, today I thought since we're talking about Thanksgiving, we should just unpack what that really means. And, and uh, today's message is called Leaving a Legacy. You know, we're preparing, by the way, for next week is our annual offering. And so if you're visiting with us, we don't we don't talk about offerings and money all the time. It's not a, not a common theme for us, but it is something that's important because we value giving to the Lord and we value doing his work. And by the way, when you do that, when you give to God, great things can happen. And so you have to connect the dots. So the reason why people get offended when it comes to giving and churches is because they're not connecting the dots to the difference we're making. No one seems to be offended um, when, when Compassion International asks you to give or when World Vision asks you to give, right? But for some reason, they get all uptight. Oh, I can't believe that church is all about money, but, but we use the resources to change lives. In fact, if you want to know the other end of our giving, we have some of the other end of our giving here. Uh, Jessica's sister and brother-in-law and their whole families in town, they are missionaries in Honduras that you and I support. Would you guys stand your feet real quick? Let's just honor this amazing family. They're doing a great work in Honduras. So thanks, guys. Thanks so much. And they, they do an incredible work if you ever want to meet a live missionary. These guys are spec ops in the kingdom of God. They're doing a great work. And, and uh, he performs surgeries in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's just amazing what they do. And so if you, if you get a chance, if you want to meet a, a, a celebrity and a rock star in God's kingdom, please meet them after service right here if you're at the broadcast campus. We're blessed to have them. But that's the kind of things that we get to do when we give to God's work. And so again, thanks for being a part of our services today. If you got your outlines, you can pull those out. They're actually on your app, the Church Unlimited app. You can download that today at the App Store or the Android Store. Those of you who still are in the 90s and have Android phones, thank you for being here anyways. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking with you. Anyways, download that app though if you would, and uh, you can get the, uh, the notes right there in front of you. Let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die period. Those are all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming and being a part of our service today. So next week is our annual offering. I mentioned that it's our 2020 vision offering, and we're actually using those resources for very specific things, four things in particular. I just want to mention this, and then I'll get off of this. But the first is we want to build a brand new Padre Island building. They're completely out of space. They have really bad parking, uh, and the, their, their building is literally right behind another building. So I, I often have people say on the island to me, they say, oh, I love your church. I wish you guys had a campus out here. And I say, we do have a campus out there. You're kidding me. Where is it? They can't even find us because it's so hidden. And so, but somehow with a hidden building, limited parking and limited seating, they're still running three or 400 people a weekend. So what could God do with a, with a, a good exposure building that's on the highway with good parking and seating? God can do some great things. And so we're excited about building the building. We're also wanting uh, to do a campus upgrade here at the broadcast. We have not touched this building really for about 10 years now since we moved in. We need to upgrade some things technology-wise too, as well as we're going to redo some West Side Campus uh, children's rooms, which desperately need it. 
And so our West Side uh, ministry has just exploded in the last six to eight months now. In fact, you know they've grown by 40% just in the last year. God's really doing something spectacular there. More on that later in the service. Also, we want to expand our God Behinds ministry and add another campus. You know, this last week we had 75 guys receive Christ in our God Behind Bars ministry alone just this week. Incredible what God is doing through our prison. In fact, every time we go into a prison, the violence ratio in that prison drops dramatically. We are literally changing the culture of the prisons just by bringing Jesus in. And so right now, the Texas Department of Corrections is asking and practically begging us to add more campuses because it's changing their prison system. How great is that to know we're really impacting people? It's really incredible. So So I want to leave you with three things today based upon this. I want to challenge you to consider leaving a legacy today. How can you leave a larger legacy? Well, the three three ways you can do that. The first is this. Would you write this down? Number one, to leave a legacy, move from thanksgiving to thanksgifting. Move from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. We literally have it built into the word thanksgiving because we're thankful we want to give. You know, this is actually called the thank offering in the Bible. It's all over the Bible, by the way. Let me show you a couple of scriptures on this. David put it this way, Psalms 116. He says, I will present a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord before all his people. Huh. Now, that's interesting. It says that we are to bring a thank offering. This is above and beyond your tithe where you're saying, God, I just want to thank you for your goodness in my life. I want to give something above and extra to you just to say thank you for all that you do. But I find it interesting. He didn't just say give a thank offering. He said, and fulfill my vows. What are these talking about there? I wonder if there were some vows David made when he was in a pinch. You ever been there? Like I wonder if when he was hidden in that cave and Saul was hunting him down and he knew he was 10 feet from life or death, I wonder if he just stopped and said, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this one, I will give to you. If you'll just get me out of this one, Lord, I will bless your work, right? You ever been in a pinch and you ask God to help you out? Lord, just help her not to be pregnant, God. I'll do whatever you want. Just, just help her not to be, right? God, just, Lord, just help me, get, just help me, just save my job, God. Just help me not to get fired over this one, God. Just please just help me out, right? You ever had those red lights behind you, way in the back, you're like, Lord, just help them not be coming for me. Can I get an amen, right? You know what I'm saying? And so maybe you pray that kind of prayer. Maybe you've been in that pinch, you're in a tough, tough spot. You made a big foolish mistake and you're like, God, just please don't let this one take me down. God, if you'll just help me out, I promise I'll do your work. And God's like, well, I helped you out. Are you going to do my work now? So I kept my, I kept my end of the deal. I, I, I fulfilled the commitment to you. I helped you out in your house. Would you help me out in my house? I helped you out in your work. Will you help me out in my work? And so God's very clear about this in Scripture. He's a just God. He says, yeah, I will bless you, but will you bless what I'm doing throughout the world? Look what it says in Leviticus. Leviticus is a book of the law, by the way. And so it says this, when you sacrifice a thanksgiving offering to God, do it right so it will be acceptable. Do it right means have the right attitude. Don't, don't give it begrudgingly, but you want to do it with the right attitude. Can you imagine on Valentine's Day, if I brought my wife a card and I was like, well, I'm supposed to do this, so here you go probably wouldn't really turn out well, right? I mean, that's, that's not really the vibe she's looking for. God's the same way. Like, do you, do you bring an offering begrudgingly? You're like, Lord, I, I'm honored to do this. I want to give to you. I want to do your work, right? I love this. So it doesn't say if you sacrifice the Thanksgiving offering. It says when you sacrifice. So God just assumes you understand that to be a follower of Christ is to be a giver, is to be generous towards the Lord's work. And then Psalms 50, verse 14, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. God's like, I've delivered you so many times. Will you honor me? I have come through for you time and again. 
Some of you guys prayed forever for a miracle baby, and now that same baby is driving you crazy, right? You're like, Lord, I don't know about the miracle you gave me. I mean, that miracle is driving me crazy right now. But you know, you prayed for that, right? So some of you prayed for that husband or wife. Oh, Lord, would you just please just provide something? And God's done, right? Will we honor God? God is, we've, he's honored our requests. Will we honor his request to give to him, to support his work, to do the will of God and be a generous people? There's a guy named Andrew Carnegie who uh, lived in the late uh, 1800s, actually, to the turn of the century. Basically, he died in 1919. Andrew Carnegie, many of you guys know because he created Carnegie Steel, very famous, a steel magnate. The guy was an incredible entrepreneur and businessman. He became the richest man in the world. He was a Jeff Bezos of their day. Incredible wealth. In fact, he has an, a very famous quote. This is what he said. He said, if, if I'm, I'm going to spend the, the first half of my life earning money, I'm going to spend the second half of my life giving it all away. Wow, why would you do that? Why would you not? You can't take any of it with you. So that's exactly what he did. He founded all kinds of things, Carnegie Hall, Carnegie Mellon University. I mean, over and over again, all kinds of hospitals and museums and all kinds of things he supported. And did you know, he earned up to $400 million in his day. Now, this is the late 1800s, so you know, I know that's not worth a whole lot today, but you know, back then it was. This is where you laugh. $400 million. He earned $400 million. Today's wealth, that would equal $40 billion. So he was Bill Gates of his day, basically. Did you know that when he sold his steel company to J.P. Morgan, it made him the wealthiest man in the world for a season. Of course, no one stays there, and eventually someone passes him, right? He had up to $400 million at that point. 18 years later, when he died, he had given away $350 million. So he just about did it. He just about gave everything away. See, that's what you call an extraordinary life, isn't it? You see, an extraordinary life is not built by what you earn. It's built by what you give. It's not built by what you consume. It's built by what you contribute. So I really want to challenge you to shift from thanksgiving to thanksgifting, to give to the Lord, to, to bless his work, to do his will, and to hold everything loosely. It's okay to have stuff. Just make sure the stuff doesn't have you. We hold it all loosely. Speaking of that, here's my second challenge for you today. I want to challenge you to limit your investment and what perishes and maximize your investment and what is eternal. You know, if you go to a grocery store, they have little stickers on items that are perishable, right? So they'll put a little sticker on, on the fruit. They'll put a sticker on what? On milk, on the bread, because they know it has a limited shelf life and then it's over. So I've included some stickers for you today to take home and to put it on some of your favorite items that you really like. Just think about something you really are into, right? So I love cars. I'm a big car guy. And so this may not be a fancy car to you, but to me, I think my car's fancy. And so I have a 4Runner. I love it. I bought it brand new with all the little trimmings on it I could possibly get. Even put some fancy rims on it. I mean, I just love this car. In fact, when I walk, in the, walk out to my car, at least once a week I stop and I go, man, I love my car. <laughs> I just do. I just really like it. I don't know why. It's just kind of my thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a red dot on my 4Runner today Somewhere on there, just to remind me that as much as I love it, it's going to perish. I can't have that forever. It's just an item, as much as I, I like it. Think about what's your favorite item. Maybe you're really into shoes, right? There's some guys who've got shoe game going on, right? Maybe you've got the Yeezys, right? Maybe you've got the Pharrells. Maybe you've got the latest, right? The KDs, the, the whatever, the, you know, your LeBrons or, or, or your Jays. Or, or maybe you've got, you really stepped up your game and you've got the Balenciagas going on. Why don't you just put a little red dot on the bottom of that? Just remember that even though you're like, my shoes are on fire, one day they will be. <laughs> they will not last forever. The Bible is very clear in this. Let me show you some scripture on this. Check it out. It says in Revelation 22, look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 3, 8, the one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. See, maybe you say, well, I mean, that's awesome. We just met some missionaries today. That's incredible. I'm not a missionary. Oh yeah, you are. When you give, you are. How do you think they're on the mission field? We support them so they can be there and others support them too. And collectively, we, we may be watering while they're harvesting it, but either way, we're a part of the work. And so your role is very critical to what they do. And their role is very critical to what we do. They give us, us purpose, we give them purpose. That's how God works. But the reason why we wanna support causes like what they're doing and, and, and doing God's work through the local church, why is that? Well, let me show you the key verse here on this. It's in 2 Peter 3. The present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will also be destroyed. You see, everything that we have is gonna burn. None of it's gonna last forever. And so I just wanna encourage you. Now, I wanna mention this to the ladies. I know I kind of picked on the guys with the cars and all that, but ladies, some of you guys got what you call purse game going on. There's some serious purses in these rooms. I'm telling you right now, I had no idea the cost of a purse. It was crazy until I went to this fancy store with my wife one time and I saw that there's like purse car dealerships. It's a purse dealership. Like it's just the whole like Gucci section, right? The Chanel section of purses. I'm like, wow. And the reason they they look like car dealerships with purses on display is because they cost about what a car costs. That's why. I was like, oh my goodness, that's, that's the price of a purse. So maybe you got some serious purse game going on, ladies. Well, I want you to just put a red sticker, not on the outside. I know it's going to mess up the game. I know I get it. Don't want to mess up the look. Just put it right on the inside. So when you open up, you remember that this too will not last. Nothing wrong with having those items. It's great. You know, you have the, the, the clothes you want to wear and you know, live in a nice household. Nothing wrong with that. As long as you recognize that none of that is going to last forever. But what we do for God, what we do for others, that actually lasts forever. So I want to challenge you to limit what you do with perishable items, maximize your investment, number two, and what is eternal. Because everything is going to burn one day. It's not going to last. And so what we do for God is, is actually last forever. And so I have a friend that uh, when I was in high school, he was a really wealthy guy. He, he didn't know his, his dad was really wealthy. And so um, we would go to, to fo- football games, basketball games. I didn't even know how spoiled I was being buddies with him because he would take me to Rockets games in Houston. And we sat two seats behind the bench. I mean, these incredible seats is because his dad did very well. His dad was in real estate. I thought he was a realtor. I didn't know there was a such thing called a real, real, t- real estate developer he would just like buy giant plots of land, develop the whole thing. I mean, the guy was incredibly wealthy. So one day I'm driving up to his house. It was a beautiful home. Um, his home had some issues, but the reason why is because it was built over several years, which normally is not that great to do to a home because it's exposed a long time. And I remember saying, why, why'd you guys go so long to build? Why, why did it take you so long to build your house? It's a beautiful home. He said, well, we stopped midway through. My dad had some other things to do. And then, and then we got back to it later. I was like, oh, so it just kind of sat there rotting. Honestly, they had to rep- tear something down, replace it. Because I found out later as an adult, I found out later that his dad stopped building their home because his church needed him. And he began to give massive gifts to God and his work. And when the church was built, then they finished their home. Now, is it any wonder that God blessed that man greatly? He did God's work. Well, you know, pastor, if I had all that money, I'd do God's work too. No, because he did God's work is why he had all the money. Don't confuse the order. Because he was generous to God, God was generous to him with creative ideas, exponential ideas and and, and opportunities with investments. God blessed him and his family because of that. And his family is still to this day in Houston doing God's work. 
So I just want to challenge you to think differently. In fact, God has something to say to rich people. So I want to talk to the rich people right now, if I can. And I know you're thinking, well, okay, this isn't for me. Well, hold on. The Bible is written to the whole world. Now, where do you think you are on the spectrum of wealth compared to the whole world? For those of you who don't think you're rich, I'd like you to fly back with my brother-in-law today to Honduras. And you let me know if you're rich. For those of you who don't think you're rich, once you fly out, I'll give you a one-way ticket to Afghanistan. You let me know once you go through some neighborhoods if you think you're rich or not. See, we, we are incredibly wealthy. God says something to rich people. I think this is interesting. And, and those of you who say, well, okay, I may be rich in, in the terms of the world, Pastor, but I'm not like rich in terms of America. Okay, I understand that. But let me help you define whether you're rich here in America or not. I know it's kind of hard to know why, because none of us think we are. <laughs> and so here's how you know you're actually rich in America. If someone asks you your annual income, if you're willing to tell them the number, you're not rich. If you aren't willing to tell them the number, you're rich. Does that make sense? If you're like, well, that's none of your business. That's a private matter. Uh-huh, because you're doing well. That's what that means, okay? So if you're in the category of, I don't want my kids to know what I earn, I don't want my friends to know, then you're doing pretty well, okay? And so look what God said. God has a message. I talked to him today, and he told me to give this to you. Here's the message he has for you. It's right here in 1 Timothy 6. He says this, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last gaining life that is truly a life. Wow. He says, give extravagantly. That's why I'll boldly say to you today, if you're rich, you know, our goal as a church is to raise several million dollars. Actually, two to two and a half million is what we'd like to, to, to hit just to reach the goals that God has given us for this next year. You say, that seems like a lot of money. Not for a church this large. It's very doable. And so I just want to challenge you that the way that's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of people who give something significant for their income. There's going to be a lot of single moms across all of our campuses that are going to give two or $3,000. And I hope that the businessman in the room goes, what? They're going to do that. They do it every year. And I just, I don't know about you, but I just think it's a bit of a shame if, if that person outgives you and you're wealthy. I just really do. I, I even, you're putting it on thick. I, I may be putting it on thick, but you see, one day you're going to stand before God and answer for all that God's blessed you with. So you think I'm putting it on thick? Wait till he gets a hold of it. Because he's going to say, did you do my work? Or was it just literally all about you? Or did you go beyond yourself? And so I have no problem saying, if you're doing well, would you bless God's work? I'm going to ask you to give hundreds of thousands of dollars to his work if you can. Maybe even a million, half a million. According to me, I can't do that. Well, if you can't do it, then I'm not talking to you. But if you can, why wouldn't you do that? Because there's going to be a lot of people that are give five and $10,000 all across all of our campuses. And so I just want to challenge you that if you can do more, do it. And by the way, I hope there's some young people in the room right now. I hope there's some young people in their careers right now that say, God, I want to be that person one day. And I want to have some godly ambition to believe that I can climb the ladder, that I can start that business, that I can expand my holdings so that I can do big things for God one day. We need some godly ambition in God's house so we can change the world. Let's dream bigger dreams. I have some friends that have told me that they're now able by God's goodness and grace to give what they used to earn annually. How great would that be? You mean, you mean I could do that? Absolutely. 
It's very possible for you to give one day what you earn today. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing? God wants to bless his people so that we can do his work. And so I just want to challenge you to prayerfully consider what God would have you do. And it's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. So what is the sacrifice? The sacrifice is something that makes you change the way you live a bit. That's how you know it's a sacrifice. If it doesn't affect you, it's not a sacrifice. So my kids know the last few months we've been saving. So there's certain things we just haven't done that we would normally do. They're like, no, we're not going to do that right now because we're, we're sacrificing. We're preparing a large gift, large for our family, to give to the Lord. And so I just want to challenge you to join me in that. I would never ask you to do something we're not also doing ourselves. So if you're rich in this world, let's get rich in God's kingdom. Let's do something big for the Lord. Third thing is this, and I'll wrap it up. Your impact grows when you give three specific ways. I want to go over these real quick. The first is to give spontaneously. Luke chapter 10 records an event that happened in the Bible where a guy named the Good Samaritan came along, saw a guy hurting along the road and just stopped and helped him. Have you ever just been driving along and saw someone hurting, maybe someone homeless and just normally you drive by, but this time something just in you said, nope, nope. God said, "Mm -mm, nope, you need to help. You ever done that? Even though many times you think in your mind like I do, like, I don't know what they're doing with that money. I don't know if I'm going to, and that's fine. But then sometimes God overrides that and says, that's none of your business. You give because I just told you to. Ever had that? I've had that. The other day I went to Chick-fil-A because I love Christian chicken. And I pulled in (laughs) and I ordered me some lunch and some dinner, right? Because I was like, it's so good. I want to go ahead and order for for like two meals. So I did. I ordered two meals. The people are going to be like, man, he's going to get fat. I'm like, no, it's two meals. Come on. I ordered two meals. On the way home, right? I was going to put one in the fridge and eat one. And on the way home, I see this guy on the side of the road, homeless guy, and God tells me, you have two meals. It's like, I know, but God, I had plans for the second meal. What do you? <laughs> All right, Lord. So I circled around and gave him my second meal. So sometimes you just spontaneously do something. This last week, I got a text late at night from a buddy on staff. He said, hey, did you see what your alma mater just pulled off? And I was like, no. <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, I love the school I went to, but I don't really follow them in sports that much because they're rarely on national television. It's Stephen F. Austin. And so I was like, no, what do they do? And he said, bro, go turn on ESPN right now. And I did. And I had no idea that little old Stephen F. Austin State University just beat number one Duke University in basketball on their court this week. I was shocked. I was like, are you kidding me? They're saying it's the greatest underdog victory in 25 years in all of college basketball incredible. I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. So then, of course, I started digging into the story more, and ESPN ran a cover story about the young man who, won, who, who hit the winning shot. That young man's name is Nate Bain. God just made it real clear why he did this, why he allowed this to happen when I heard his story. Nate Bain is from the Bahamas. His mom and dad pastored a church there that they had founded. In the hurricane last year, their personal home was destroyed as well as their church. The pastor, like good, all good pastors I know, focused on getting the funds to rebuild the church. So he did not rebuild his home. He built the church and got that up and going again. But they still were displaced from their own home. Nate Bain comes on full scholarship to Stephen F. Austin to play basketball. It's the only reason he could even be in that school. He couldn't afford it. And so some of the athletic department heard about his plight, his situation. So they started a GoFundMe page to help his mom and dad get their home back together again after the hurricane. Over the course of a year, that GoFundMe page had raised two to $3,000. After Nate Bain had the winning shot against the number one team in the nation, five days later, they've raised $141,000 to go towards their parents' home. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. 
God will provide for you, even if he has to cause you to win the winning shot against the biggest team in the country. God will provide for you. Just know he takes care of his people. And so if he takes care of us, who are we not to take care of his work? Who are we not to do our part? So sometimes God just tells you to give spontaneously. I did. As soon as I heard a story, I clicked over to GoFundMe and I gave a little something right then and there. I wanted to do something. In the same way, some of you right now are hearing about what we're doing, what we're doing for God, and maybe this is the first you've heard of it. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I've never done like an annual offering. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, at our church, we do it every single year, and we just do bless God's work with it. And so the truth is, is that maybe this is new to you, but so maybe this year your giving will just be spontaneous. Like, well, I wasn't really prepared for this, but I'm just going to do something. I'm going to do something sacrificial. We're not asking you to do anything today. This next week is the actual offering. We're asking you to go prayerfully consider what God would have you to do. Take that envelope home. If you can make it next week, bring that back. If you can't, you can mail something either way. Just, just if God leads you to. If he doesn't, that's fine. You do what the Lord leads you to do. It's a spontaneous gift. The, the second way to give, and this is a way you can really multiply your impact. Last week I told you I was going to tell you how you can maximize your impact and, and, and do more than you ever thought. And that's when you give, number two, strategically. To give strategically means you thought through it. So maybe you say, well, this year I can only give spontaneously, but now that I know next year it's coming, I'm going to start preparing now so that one year from now I can do something I never thought I could do. And by the way, those of you who say, I want to do more than I can, well, we're, the, the giving starts next week and actually the offering closes Easter Sunday, 2020, so we can walk to the cross and sacrifice with Christ. And so if, if you feel so led to do it that way. So we can give spontaneously. Number two, we give strategically. It says in Isaiah 32, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. If you'll start planning a life of generosity, it's incredible what you can do. By the way, this will really motivate you. Those of you who just feel like you're just kind of stuck in your career, you're like, I don't know how to get motivated. I just, I'm doing good. I'm fine. I don't really need a whole lot more. Great. You don't need a whole lot more, but other people need a whole lot more. Who said you're just supposed to be earning for you? This may sound funny, but people say, well, I don't need to earn that much. I'm getting by. Well, how selfish of you to just get by. You got to change your thinking. Lord, help me to make way more than I'll ever need so I can do your work. Help me to earn way beyond what I could ever spend so I can do your work. You see, you have to be unselfishly asking God for more. It's selfish just to say, oh, I'm getting by. Who says it's just about you? Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. For God so loved the world that he gave his son the most precious gift of all time. Those of you who are offended by this message, please tell that as you look up to a blood-stained cross. How in the world could we possibly do any less than to pour out for God when he poured out for us? So we want to give spontaneously, strategically, and number three, sacrificially. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then the poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, gave, has given everything she had to live on. She gave it all. Jesus said, now that is a sacrifice. You just illustrates, it also illustrates not only her sacrifice, it illustrates her trust that she was like, I'm going to give what I thought I may need for a rainy fund. I'm going to trust that you got that, God. So, well, I can't give like that because what if something happens? Are you assuming that God doesn't come through for you? If something happens, then God will cause something to happen for you. 
So do we trust the Lord to give sacrificially? I want to put this up real quick. This is a, what's called a giving pyramid. Just to show you kind of an illustration of where we all are somewhere on this pyramid. The first part is maybe you've never given before. You just say, well, I've come to church and I love God, but I've just never really given to God before. I can't really think of a time I've done that. I want to challenge you to consider the legacy you're leaving. Do you, have, have your kids ever seen you do anything beyond yourself, right? So tithing is not hard for me because I just grew up with parents that just tithed and gave sacrificially to causes and to the church and to missionaries and to doing his work. I just, I just grew up like that. So for me, it wasn't even a problem. See, maybe for you, you're like, tithing is really hard. I mean, you probably had parents who didn't do it, so you didn't see it. But if you grew up seeing it, it's not that big of a deal. My mom and dad told me when they first started tithing, it was very tough because they didn't grow up with that. It wasn't until later in life that their parents began to give to the Lord some. But they had to do that themselves. And so they broke, they basically cut the trail from me. So me and my sister, we just think it's normal to tithe and to give above and beyond. I want to challenge you with that. You can make giving easier for your kids if they see you do it. If they don't see you doing it, they're like, well, why would I do that? They, they, they are either going to learn selfishness from us or generosity from us. So see, think about that. If you begin to give, this is why you're going to give way more than you could possibly give because your kids and your grandkids are going to learn how to give and you'll create a generations of giving. It goes way beyond what you do. God wants to do that in all of us. He creates a generation of giving if we give sacrificially. So the first of all, is never given. Then there's the giving, but not regularly. Maybe you just give occasionally. You know, you know the average uh, Christian in America gives 2.5% of their income. That's a significant amount. It can turn into that. But it's not what God says. God says to, to bring 10%. In fact, he actually never says to give the tithe because to give the tithe assumes it's ours giving to God. But God says the tithe is mine. It belongs to the Lord. He says it belongs to me, says the Lord. So bring the tithe. Bring what's already mine, the first 10%. And so maybe that's where you're at. You want to move up to tithing. And then the next level is when you are bringing what is the Lord's, when you say, God, I know I've given you all your law requires, but now I want to offer you something above and beyond. That's what an offering is. So I bring you a free will offering, a thank offering. I'm choosing just to go above and beyond. It's one thing, ladies, when you get a card and some flowers on Valentine's Day, kind of expected. But when you get a card and flowers on just, it's just Tuesday. Here you go. Goes above and beyond, doesn't it? You're like, wow, you just, you just must love me because you just, just want to do this. You just thought of me when there was no reason. You just thought of me. That's an offering to God above and beyond. There was a little girl that uh, every night she would pray with her daddy before she went to bed. She loved that time with her dad. Her dad was a busy guy like most guys. And, but every night he would come in and he would pray with her. And uh, he noticed a little necklace she was wearing. And he said, where'd you get that? And she said, oh, I, I bought it. Just a few weeks earlier, she'd been to the drugstore with her mom. And she saw this little bitty pearl on this little necklace, little cheap drugstore necklace. She said, mommy, can, can I have that? Her mommy said, well, no, you can't have it. But we can go home and you can earn it and do some work around the house, do some chores, make a little money, and we can come back and you can buy it. Very smart mom. So sure enough, she goes home, she does a little work, and she comes back after a few weeks, and mom says, okay, you've earned that money now, and so why don't you gather your money together, and we'll go back to the drugstore, and you can buy that little pearl necklace. So that's what they did. So they go, she's so excited, right? Because she earned it herself. She was really, meant a lot to her. She put that little necklace on, that little, little pearl in the middle, she was so excited about it, but she was so excited she wore it everywhere, right? When she played, when she was outside in the backyard playing around. When she would take a bath, she wore it. Well, you know, this is, this is a cheap necklace, so it's not really going to look that good after a few weeks of that, right? So her daddy knows his necklace and says, you love that necklace. And she says, yeah, daddy, it's my favorite. So they prayed. So the next night, he comes in to pray again with her, and, 
and she's wearing a necklace again, and they pray. And after the prayer, he says to her, uh, sweetie, would you give your daddy your necklace? She says, no, daddy, it's, it's, it's my necklace. He says, okay. The next night he comes in again to pray with her. They pray. At the end, he says, hey, sweetie, your daddy really wants your necklace. Can I have your necklace? No, daddy, it's my, it's my, it's my favorite. Okay. The third night he comes in again after prayer. He says, sweetie, would you consider giving your father that necklace? Tears now begin to well up. And she said, Daddy, it's, it's my favorite. Why would you ask me for, for my necklace? He says, okay. And like a good father, he didn't force his will on her. Fourth night, he comes in to pray. And she says, Daddy, before we pray, and she reaches up with tears streaming down her face, takes off a little necklace and says, Daddy, I know you want my necklace. And if you really want it, you, you can have it. He hands her the necklace. He says, thank you, sweetie, for trusting your father. Puts it in his pocket and reaches into his other pocket and pulls out a brand new real pearl necklace and puts it on her. He says, thank you for trusting your father. All I wanted to do was get something to you, not something from you, sweetie. See, we have a heavenly father that we may think today he's trying to get something from you. He's not. He's trying to get something to you. If we'll trust God with all we have, he'll replace it with real treasure. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every light closed. Would we take a moment to pray today as God is speaking to you? Would you honor the Lord? Would you obey him? Maybe God's leading you to go home and just pray. Maybe you never thought about this before. I never even thought that my purpose would be connected to God's work like this, that I can make a significant difference. Would you prayerfully consider what God would have you do that could literally change eternity for someone just because you give? Your head bowed and your eyes closed, you never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior. God loved you so much. He sent his son. He gave his son for you. Jesus died on the cross for your sin and for mine. And he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to individually receive him. Would you pray this prayer with us? You can receive Christ right now, right where you are, all of our campuses right now. Pray this prayer. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. God, I believe you gave your son for me. He died for me, and I believe he rose again. So Jesus... Please come in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Thank you so much.